You know, the reality is that oftentimes we don't find our career or our passion. It finds us. I'm going to be talking to a person today who lives that very example. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk. Meet this man, and maybe you'll be inspired to keep your eyes open to find your passion. A pocket-sized pep talk podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Evan Herman, is the host of the Whole Person Podcast, and he's passionate about helping people master personal development from a faith-based perspective. He's a licensed pastor, successful real estate agent, lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm looking forward to having him on the show because I want to hear how we put those two careers together. Welcome to the show, Evan. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Uh, so I do. I really want to start right there because I'm a sales guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, most of what I write about is sales. Uh, and I, I don't think they're in conflict, by the way, uh, religion and sales. But there you are. You're a real estate agent and a pastor. How did these two worlds collide for you? Yeah, so I graduated with a degree of theology from Or Roberts University, and no church wanted to hire me. And so I got into selling insurance. You know, I had my life and health and my property and casualty license. A few years into that, I hated it. And I wanted to start my own business versus work for someone. And so I decided that a low startup industry was real estate. And so got into real estate. And have been doing that for eight years. I recently got my broker's license in that. And along the way, I became a youth pastor for a little bit. And, you know, that, that was great. But there were some things where um, I, there wasn't much advancement in that denomination. And so re, you know, that was four or five years ago. So I stepped out of that and thought I would never do ministry really again. And then, you know, a few weeks goes by, well, a few years goes by. And then two weeks ago, I actually started in ministry that uh, is getting ready to take place. And so for me, how I got into real estate, it was more of a necessity to, to live. While I've always had the, the dream of doing ministry. And so my goal is to do bivocational where I don't have to rely on ministry for a salary or anything like that. So that, that's my goal. And so out of necessity, I, I started my own business basically. <laughs> Well, actually, actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I always refer to it. There's certain things that we do to keep the, the lights and power on the house. And then there's certain passions that we pursue. Uh, I am 12 years now in a space of uh, helping people who are in career transition. Uh, I don't make any uh, serious money at it. Um, um, actually, I don't make any money at it, uh, but it's very fulfilling. Uh, I want to back up, though, with you because we share something. We both uh, got our feet wet in the insurance business. Yeah. Uh, so which company were you with? Uh, Farmers, okay. State Farm. Yeah, those two. Okay. I was a New York life agent. Okay. Uh, I, I never got near property and casualty, but I was a life, health, and disability guy. And uh, I actually wanted to name my first book, One More Than a Dead Man, because every Monday morning when we came into a room that yeah. resembled a Glengarry Glen Ross kind of room, uh, it, you you never sold nothing for the week. So you bought a cheap term policy for you or a loved one if you, if you got skunked. But when you showed up with one app, 
the the trainer and the manager would always go, Giles, like, you know, what was that? How many? One, sir. And I'd always hear, well, that's one more than a dead man now, isn't it? And, which was very motivating and inspiring as we push on to our world. But, I, you know, for me, and I'm curious about for you, I look back on the insurance business, A, I was just too young. I, I'm, we do need insurance. It's an extremely valuable product. The need has to be there. But B, it taught me how to take a punch. You know, that's a tough industry to come out of. Um, what about you? Tell me something you gained from the insurance industry. You know, I, I gained a lot of sales skills that I didn't have previously. Now, naturally, I was gifted at sales, but it wasn't refined. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to script. I learned how to become an objection handler which means that, you know, when people have objections on why they don't want or need, I already have predetermined answers for the most common objections, not in a way to manipulate people, but because I understand the need better than they do. And so I have an answer for that need because it's the most common excuse. And so I would say learning how to predetermine things in advance really helped. And then also just becoming relentless, you know, learning how to uh, get rejection over and over and over. There was one guy, he hung up on me six times and I called him back. I, he just made me mad. And so I just kept calling him back. And then he bought a policy and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just couldn't hear you. I wasn't trying to be rude. And I was like, oh, okay. My persistence paid off. And it was a great, you know, home life, uh, cars, like the whole shebang. It was, it was a great deal. And that taught me to just, you know, keep going. Well, uh, I agree with you. You know, it's rather trite to, to say, uh, gee, well, you know, we all sell, but by golly, we all sell. If you're a parent you and you want to be a good parent, you want to make that idea your children's idea, not just your idea. You know, yep. I, think, yep. I was just gonna say the other thing that, I mean, you're hinting at it. I think the, I think the biggest thing that I took away is, you know, I created my own script. I was given a lot of scripts that I just didn't feel like worked. And so I wrote my own and I mean, it, it was really, really good. You know, I, I would make acronyms like, you know, okay. So Mr. And Mrs. Uh, Smith, do you have BIBIPD on your policy? Oh, well, what's BIBIPD? Oh, bodily injury, body protection, or, you know, et cetera. Okay. Do you have UM on your policy? Oh, what's UM? Well, it's uninsured motorists. What's, what's, what's that mean? You know, so I'd ask questions that I knew that most people wouldn't know. And then I would give them the answer. And so I came from a place of education, but I just couldn't tell them they didn't know. I had to ask them the questions that revealed to them that they didn't know and why they needed me. And so what I've learned is come from a place of education and people who truly want to learn and grow and better themselves. Those are the people, those are the people I connect best with. Yeah. And coming from a place of belief and see now it really, I'm, I'm starting to see the picture you're painting in terms of being a pastor, because um, I think it's one of the kindest things that we can do for another human being is to help them over their fear of change and to help them fix a problem before it becomes a big problem. That's a, that's a, a, a wonderful gift to be able to offer somebody, but you need to know how to sell to do it, not manipulate, uh, right. but, but help people that way. And, you know, I don't think I've ever told this story, but when I was at Xerox, believe it or not, one of the largest churches in the nation came in, became part of my account, 
and they wanted to learn how to sell because they noticed that people were showing up you know, people don't fix small problems, they fix big problems. So when someone shows up at church who hasn't been there, uh, frequently something big has happened that's changed their world. And what they were realizing was for us to really be a responsible entity, we want to take the best approach we can to helping people before this becomes a big problem. And that requires selling, that requires persuasion. Uh, and so it is interesting how the two worlds come together. So let's let's go there. When, when exactly did you know you wanted to be a pastor? Was there a moment or an event? Yeah, I was seven, actually. <laughs> um, so I was at a church camp and it was the last day. And it's really funny because I was six or seven, seven or six. One of the two. I was I was one of those two ages. I can't six and a half. Six and a half. Sure. Um, and. I just remember sitting there. It was the last day of church camp and I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I didn't live here at the time. I lived in Kansas. So to come here was, you know, six hours of driving. And I just remember them, what, what we call in Christianity, an altar call where, you know, you come forward to get prayed with and whatever. And they did this altar call for kids that wanted to be in the ministry when they got older. And since it was the last day of church camp, as this young kid, I had this very profound thought, which blows my mind for how, ignorant of a young child I was it was well this is a lot of spiritual hype a lot of kids are just going up there because it's the last day of church camp and they've had a lot of fun besides I want to be a cop or a firefighter I want to be a good guy like that was my thought and I just remember sitting there in the pew and then halfway through the prayer I just felt this deep weight come over me and I heard a voice that said that was supposed to be you up there and I was so scared to get on my seat to go get prayed for at that time because I didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but I just felt this immense weight come over me. And so since I was, I'm going to say seven, I've pursued this idea of, of wanting to be in ministry. And, you know, all the way through my life up to college and when I get into adulthood, it not happening hurt. It drastically hurt. And yes, I'm a licensed pastor who doesn't have a congregation who doesn't, you know, I was a youth pastor for a little bit, but after that, not much. And then I created the podcast and I'm using these gifts in other areas, but imagine having a gift and not being able to use it. And that hurt. And so learning how to deal with that has also been a big part of the learning and growth process. And then why I decided to in part, step out into the podcast realm is because not only did I need mentoring and learning and growing, but I also realized people who are around me needed it. And maybe if I become vulnerable enough and authentic enough about my struggles, maybe people can relate to that instead of a perfect image of myself. And I can lead people through my own struggles, which then inevitably helped me grow as well as a person. And I just, totally flipped this idea of picture perfect leadership on its head to where it's like, no, 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 don't follow me because I'm perfect. Follow me because I'm going through this. And if you are, let's do this together and see if we can actually achieve something. And it's been very fruitful. Wow. Yeah. You know, kind of heavy. I, I will tell you when I was six and a half, seven, I, you know, I was focused on being a basketball player. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't keep quite the calling that you got, uh, but that's, really interesting. And, and the, the part that I really want to commend you on is that, um, you know, there's one thing to, to get that calling at such a young age. There's another thing to just 
keep tirelessly traveling down that path and putting, you know, it, you look, if you, if you travel down the path and at 15, you've got your own church, or whatever, I'd say, good for you. You're a very blessed man. But that's not really the way the world works. Usually it's, it's really becomes a question of how committed are you? And are you willing to just not quit on your dream? You and, know, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like I'm in such a unique spot right now in my life too, because I'm doing real estate and I'm starting a ministry from scratch, not a church. It's more so based off of uh, within Christianity, what we'd call evangelism, uh, more so traveling ministry, like, like a Billy Graham or an Oral Roberts. And for so long, I tried to step into roles that were already open churches that were already created. And for whatever reason, those doors just didn't open. And long story short, I had a mentor that, um, you know, gave me some great advice. He, he basically told me, Evan, he was, I think you're going to be coming into a season of your life soon where doors are going to open and they're going to open naturally. And all you have to do is walk through them. And that's how you'll know that they're God, because you're not trying to force it yourself. And so long story short, you know, a couple different ministry things opened up. I, and I walked through them and then they've continued to open that they've continued to open. And so I, as that has happened, I was just like, I've, at this point, I'm going to have to start a ministry because I can't fund all this myself and fund my family. And so when I sat down, I made a list of like 150 people who know me well or know me well enough that I called and I was just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this in addition to real estate. And in order to start, I need to raise X amount of money. Would you consider giving? In the sheer amount of support blew my mind. Yeah. Huh. I would say 90% of the people that I called have committed to giving. And, you know, I'm still doing follow-ups and stuff like that to, to see it to fruition. But the most common thing that I heard is like, well, it's about time. Well, how come you haven't done this sooner? Yeah. And it's that part of me that I didn't see. It was the part of me that I thought I needed to step into something that was already built because I couldn't do it myself. But everyone else around me saw something in me that I myself didn't see, but I also wasn't ready to see it either. Right. And it wasn't until a lot of maturity, a lot of growth, a lot of character and integrity developing within myself more than what I've had in the past. And then combined with what uh, the business stuff that I've learned, you know, once all that got in a good and healthy spot and my life became in a good and healthy spot, those doors opened. Because so many times we try to step into things. I myself tried to step into things before I was ready. And we're never ever officially ready. We're never officially prepared, but we can be lacking in character and integrity and the things that will sustain us through the process. And had this happened earlier in my life, I don't know if it would have been sustainable because my character and my integrity and my marriage and my finances weren't in a good, healthy spot. And so that's, that's why the whole person is really important to me because, because I've worked on developing that now, now, now my dreams and these opportunities are coming true. And all I have to do is say yes to that. Right. Yeah. But it's because I grew as a person first. You know, I've got a, as a guy who writes books, I have a book title for you. I, I, I know your book now. I just, I'm going to write this down. I just saw it in my head. And the book title is Entrepreneurial Pastor, because you think like an entrepreneur, you just described the mantra of an entrepreneur. 
almost every entrepreneur is somebody who says, I've got this dream. I see the way it's doing, it's going, but I have to make my own path to get there. And, um, and every entrepreneur I ever met, this is when to me, you sort of pass the test immediately. Once they get your teeth into it, not only is their tribe saying it, but they say it themselves of, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I see this quicker? You know, uh, this is what you were meant to do. You know, I, it's, a, it's an old saying, um, but it's one that, uh, we, one of my favorites, it says, uh, we weren't put on this earth to, to make a living. We were put on this earth to make a difference. And um, it seems like that's sort of your calling. Now we need real estate. We need professional speaking on my side to be able to pursue those dreams until those dreams can sustain themselves. But uh, you are, you're an entrepreneur to me. Uh, you, you, you check every box. So it's, you know, you. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. But think about that on another time. You and I'll talk about that. But I think it would be inspiring for so many people who uh, have a dream. Uh, it's a calling at a young age. They have every bit of desire and passion, but you know we talked about men being a mentee, right? Uh, they don't have the right mentor, or uh, they, they're missing some of the signs that they need to look for. Right. You didn't miss them. Uh, you took you took your time getting there, but welcome to the party. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is I don't I don't want to be a broke pastor. I don't want to be a broke minister. Right. You know, so many. There's this poverty mindset within ministry that people feel like they have to have as if it's some sort of sacrificial proof that makes you more holier or more evident. And there's also the expectation of people on you that you should be just 100% a giver. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a huge giver, but I can only give if I receive more. Like the more right. I receive, the more I can give. The right. more capacity I have, the more ability I have to be able to do. And so- you know, I don't want to be broke. I want to be filthy, stinking rich, but I want to be able to do the outside of ministry so that I can do more mission. So that I can, you know, see that, man. So that when I see that mother who has two children and her young husband is on the hospital bed, that I can pay for their vehicle that month. That when I see that orphan in Africa who who has a severely infected foot and she needs surgery and it costs $800. I want to be able to give that money, which I have, but it was everything I had. And yes, I'm willing to give everything I have, but I'd love to give out of abundance, not out of my own need. Yeah. You're going to get there. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I am speaking to you from the future because uh, I'm you, I'm just a few decades ahead of you. And, um, uh, there are certain things, and I, I I won't go over them on this podcast, but there are certain things that I'm able to do uh, that are far more fulfilling than writing a book or you know the other pieces. Uh, and but you got to want it, and you're got you clearly want it. So I'm telling you, you you build a path. I'll, I'll give you an example. When when I sold for New York Life, uh, I, I was right out of college. It was a job felt right. I actually made some decent money doing it, but I knew in my head that that's not why I was put on this earth. Uh, and one of the things that haunted me at that time was I'm wasting these years. How will this possibly serve me in the future? 
and Rob of the Future is telling you right now, Evan, you will be shocked at how everything you're doing, and I know you're a spiritual man, everything you're doing will connect with the lessons that you learn that you're learning in real estate will allow you, you'll, you'll smile and go, I can't believe it. I would have never learned that sword or got it if I hadn't been a real estate agent, <laughs> if I had. So, but while we're there, we're thinking this can't possibly, I can't, how do these dots connect? They connect. And, uh, and for me, as a professional speaker, a lot of people want to go out and be on the road. I'm 28 years as a professional speaker. I made the leap and 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 to the to the financial industry, I thought, well, I'm a big Xerox guy. I'm a former sales trainer for Xerox. That's my calling card. Now, the financial industry gobbled me up, and guess why? They looked at my bio and they said, "Well, we love the fact that you came from Xerox and you can sell and you have process training, but we wouldn't hire you if you didn't have something in the financial industry." And that insurance background of yours is just what we're looking for. And I thought, how in the world did that sew into this? That's what you're going to see. And you're seeing it now, but it will shock you. You're going to send me an email next year, two years, three years. You're going to go, Rob, they're all sewing together. You were right. So you're going to get there. I'm telling you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, really. Okay. All right. So let's, let's, let's put some lessons together now. Yeah, give, me, uh, give me, for someone who's listening right now, Give me a lesson or two that you've learned on this journey. I, I, I hogged the mic for a second there. I gave you a lesson that I learned. Uh, give me a lesson or two you've learned on the journey, on this journey that's been, it's had the biggest impact on, it could be your career or your life. Oh man, there's so many. The one that most recently radically changed my life was learning how to love myself in the process of change. I had a, a man by the name of Craig Westoff on my podcast who was a local uh, Christian DJ on a radio station. And then he became a national DJ for K-Love. And uh, anyway, he, he was on my podcast and we were talking about personal growth. And he said, you know, so often we create this identity of ourselves, this future picture of ourselves of who we want to be. And he said, that's idolatry towards God and it's self-hatred. And it hit me like a, a, a ton of bricks on my chest because I believed what he was saying. I just didn't understand how. And I said, will you please go into that? Because I feel like that's truth, but I'm missing something because I also believe in personal growth. And as a Christian, you know, there's this concept of idolatry where you put other things before God or believe you could have done something better or different. And, and, and that, that becomes idolatry. Well, this idea of myself, of who I should be and how I should have been created and the, the, the perfectness of this idea, that's idolatry because I did not value who I am now in the way I was actually created. Even though God didn't create my sins and God didn't create my struggles and stuff like that, who I am as a person is every bit of who God created me to be. And because I couldn't love myself now, and I was trying to put this image of myself of who I should be, that was an idol. Hmm. And the second part was, if I can't love myself now, I will never love future Evan. Never. And right. so I had to learn through that, how to love myself through the process of change. And when I started to learn how to love myself through the process of change and give myself grace, then change actually happened in a major way. I lost like 40 pounds. The anxiety that had plagued my life was gone. The 
addictions that I've carried, like drinking soda and sugar and all these things that just made my life miserable were gone. Not because, you know, I have these amazing habits and all of a sudden I had so much discipline. No, it's because I learned how to love myself because I loved myself. It was easier for me to say no to things that also brought me pleasure. And that, that was a huge thing. And then the other thing too, you know, character and integrity has, has been a huge lesson for me where even in the smallest of ways, learning how to keep my word and even, even at my own demise, be honest, that has been a huge thing. And then learning, so there's that. And then there's one more, learning how to make decisions to have principles and a a calling, a mission that you measure decisions against. And so if I'm faced with a decision, okay, in this decision, how do I have integrity and character? How does this bring me peace? How does this provide financially? You know, or the other part is living out the heart of God by loving others back to life. That's, that's my personal mission statement. So if I'm invited to something or to go do something, how does, how does that apply to what I'm doing? Or God forbid, I'm frustrated and angry at someone in line because, you know, they cut me off or whatever. How does my action to them reflect my mission statement? And so having predetermined things that I make decisions by helps me to live a more accurate and narrow life to the person that I want to actually live out. So there's three. I got a bonus from you. Here's what I got from what you just said. You tell me if I'm, I, I, I've got it. Uh, first of all, and I'm gonna put it in the, my language if I could. Yeah, I think we need to cut ourselves some slack. I think we're very hard on ourselves. Yeah. I think, and I, and I think that's something that you've sort of battled and figured out uh, on your own. Uh, as far as the, the honesty piece, you know, I, I put in um, one of my books, my dad used to tell me a deal is a deal, even when you don't like that deal anymore. And that's not just for other people. That's for ourselves. We make a commitment. We got to plow through it. I, I, I've always, um, I'm always been amazed by people that, um, you know, talk about quitting. I'm, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I used to watch boxing. I don't believe you, you quit on the stool. You can't quit on the stool. The corner can throw a towel in for you if they want, but a, a boxer boxes, a fighter fights. If you, you know, I, I swam one time a distance race. I wasn't trained well. I had an injury I was coming back from. It was an open water swim. And I kept grappling with whether I'm going to do this swim or not do this swim. And then I decided, well, I'll tell you what, if you want to go quit, you get up, you get dressed, you go to that lake, you get on the bank of that, that lake. If you want to quit, you quit there. Don't quit in bed. Don't quit thinking about it. Like, and, that, uh, and guess what happens, of course? When you show up, you don't quit. Uh, it, it, so uh, I'm stretching your thought a little bit there, but a deal is a deal to me is really important, even the deals we make with ourselves. And, um, and that's something that um, Rob from the future will tell you that you'll get better at it, but it's always, it's, it's like a little devil. It, it sneaks in and it whispers in your ear and it tries to con you. 
Um, and, uh, you know, when we're conscious of it, we can do battle. When we're unconscious of it, we don't know. So we got to be more careful. Well, and uh, yeah. Something that you're saying too, for our listeners, because I just feel like there's someone out there. So there's a difference between quitting and pivoting. Okay. You know, because there, you were absolutely right, Rob. Like I loved baseball and I was really good at it. I probably could have gotten a college scholarship, but because I was so bullied, not only did I not play great, but I quit. I quit a lot of things when I was young because I was bullied. And as an adult, I gained a habit of quitting uh, early in, in, in my young adulthood. I, I, I got out of that. But then I've also had to learn how there's a difference between quitting and pivoting. Because a lot of times I was trying to get into ministry, mm. but it wasn't the moment. It wasn't the time. And so I was still doing real estate, but I was letting my heart be pulled in different directions. And I wasn't able to fully heal of the hurt of not doing ministry, but yet I wasn't fully committing to what was in front of me either. And so what I ended up doing was pivoting. So, you know, I fully commit to real estate and I'm laying down this idea of ever doing ministry. And in so doing, ministry has come back. I'm not saying that those things will come back for you either, but I'm saying for the person who's like, well, I've been doing this. It's not working. I don't think I'm supposed to do this anymore. Well, pivot. What, because that wasn't the intended thing that you're supposed to do. Now, there's a difference between quitting and pivoting. And so I just want to make whoever is listening to this realize like there's, there's a difference. Got it. Uh, you gave me a gift just now. Um, and uh, I just wrote that down. I love what you just said. I think that's very powerful. I write little things called blarticles every two weeks. And I think I'm going to play around with that quitting versus pivoting. I think that's a, uh, not only is that intelligent to me, but it's also kinder to me. It's kinder to us. And it's more realistic. Look, remember I told you I wanted to be a basketball player. Did I quit? Not exactly. I played at a fairly high level, but I never, but, but uh, uh, in the program, I went as 5'10". And I'm going to, and I'm telling you, I'll, I'll punch you in the nose if you tell me I'm not. But the doctor is one of these, keeps looking at me every time I go for my physical going, is that what you want me to write down? <laughs> so so uh, I, I lacked a little height, but I pivoted and I used that and, and, uh, and I became a distance runner. And uh, so I, I really like that. That's a great gift you gave me. And, I, and I'm grateful. Uh, Evan, how, is, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, really simple. Uh, my email is evan at evanherman.com, two R's in Herman. Uh, you can find me on social media. Facebook is my primary thing. Uh, you can listen to the podcast, the whole person podcast. Um, yeah, those are the most simple ways of getting a hold of me. Okay, whole person podcast. I don't want to lose that. We know you've got a, I just saw it. You've got a book in the future in about a year and a half. We're going to be seeing your book. <laughs> Uh, but 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 mine will be right next to you going don't quit pivot <laughs> so so uh but i gotta tell you it's been an absolute joy having you on the show i um really have enjoyed this and uh it's not often i'm scribbling notes not to ask you about but to remember for me so i hope the audience does the same i wish you nothing but good luck good fortune stay on that path entrepreneurial pastor and um, and keep doing great things. I know where your heart's at. I saw it visually myself. And um, and again, thank you for being on the show. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.